Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, give it up for all the ladies in the house, all the moms. We love y'all so much. We honor you today, really every day. And uh, I, I just, I'm always encouraged. Uh, I want to encourage somebody today. Uh, when Eve was named uh, Eve, she had no children, and her name means mother of all the living. And so there's an interesting just thought that mother is not just about having natural children. There's, a, there's an instinct and there's a heart of just nurturing and motherhood that's in, that God designs. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you don't have your own kids and you're believing for kids, or maybe, maybe you can be a mom or you have that spiritual capacity to love someone that way. And so thank you for all the love that you ladies pour out uh, constantly and endlessly. Uh, we're so grateful for who you are in our life. And then my wife, uh, come on, didn't she do great today? Love you so much, babe. That was a word for us, word for the house that Jesus points us to life, and uh, she's the mom of this house. Come on, you guys should be very thankful for her, and uh, she keeps us in check. She keeps us headed in the right direction. If you know me and see what I do every week, you're thankful for, that I have an anchor in my life, and not that she, you don't drag me down, baby. You keep me tethered, okay, in, in Jesus' name. She's always like, I'm, don't paint me as the non-fun one. No, you're amazing, and uh, I love you so much, and you, you uh, just really, I will sing your praises the rest of my life, and uh, thank you for being the mom of my children. Come on. She carries you guys. She carries you guys in her heart every day. She does. She carries this house in her heart and uh, she prays for you and she has to hear uh, all of what I'm praying through and working through and every day I'm like, hey, what about this? And the church is this. And I, 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 it was sometimes when, you're, when you pastor, the church is your life. And so, so I'm constantly talking about you and how God's moving in our lives. And so she carries that with, with me every, every single day. All, all the single moms in the house today, come on, can we give it up for single moms today? Thank you. Thank you. I grew up with a single mom, and uh, I know what she, she went through. Shout out. Love you, mom, if you're watching online. And uh, we have just a little Visa gift card for you at Connection, because we know that it's not easy uh, doing everything you do. So we just want to say uh, we love you. You're not on your own. And uh, church, thank you for being a generous church so we can help and bless people in our family. And so, come on, we want to do that today. I'm going to jump into the Word. We're in a series called Bars and Battles, and I've been praying for you today, and just this Word... Um, and I just, I'm believing God to really speak hope today into your life and, and hope into your family. And uh, the thought of bars and battles is, is a series where we're looking at different Psalms. And, and uh, last week we looked at a Psalm that David wrote. Uh, we looked at how David, um, we looked at how David actually fought, but we also looked at how he was feeling. And so there was this permission to feel a certain way, but also direction to fight a different way. We looked at that last week that we laid down some spears. Hopefully some of you laid down some spears last week and and really believe God to, to fight in a different way. We're going to do the same thing. God spoke to me uh, just a couple days ago and just really said, I want you guys to worship at the end of every one of these series sermons. And so uh, just like last week, when we kind of went into a moment of worship, I really believe at the end of today, God's going to speak to you and do some things. And we're going to go back into just a, a song of worship. I want to look at Psalm 113 today. Uh, that specific psalm, um, as I was studying it, is uh, called part of the halal psalms or halal praises. Halal means like a, a crazy praise. And the word, he, it means praise in Hebrew, but there's, there's many words for praise in Hebrew, but this word is like a, a crazy, like unhinged praise, like on top of the table dancing, uh, going crazy type praise. Come on, anybody know about a halal praise? How, how does my mic sound? Does my mic sound weird? It's, something's wrong with my, my microphone. Can I switch out? Can y'all switch me out?
Check, check. How's that? Is that better? Is that good? Awesome. Y'all can listen to me now. Uh, I was feeling your pain too, okay? So I'm with you in it. We, uh, this Psalm 113, it's the beginning of the halal praise. 113 to 118 is actually um, these six psalms that are about praise. Uh, all the Jews would read them at certain festivals and at their feast, and it was a commemoration of them coming out of Egypt, uh, but it was more than that. And, and literally, as theologians looked at Psalm 113, much of Psalm 113 was plagiarized, ripped from, patterned after Hannah's psalm. And what Hannah went through. And as I was praying today for moms and for families and for what it looks like to, to, to be a believer on this Mother's Day, God took me to this Psalm 113 and it took me to the thought of what Hannah faced and how Hannah walked. And, and, and so we see this, this, this situation in Hannah's life. Psalm 113 is a reason really for her praise. It's a praise psalm. But 1 Samuel chapter 1 is really a record of her pain. And so we see a reason for praise in 113, but we have a record of pain in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so a lot of times it's important for you to understand someone's praise, you have to understand their pain. And so for you to actually understand your own praise, sometimes you have to acknowledge your own pain. I say it this way often, sometimes to, to, to understand your, someone's breakthrough, you have to know what they've been through. And, and so we see what Hannah's been through. I want to read you Psalm 113 first. And look at this psalm praise or this halal praise. It's a crazy praise. And uh, if you're new to our environment or community, we get into the word every week and we are a loud church. We're a talk back church. Come on. We just determined that we're going to sing loud. We're going to worship loud. We're going to preach loud. Is that okay? And uh, we want to sing. We want to sing louder and worship louder than you were in the bar at karaoke last night on Derby Day. Come on. And uh, so Psalm 113 verse one says this, praise the Lord right out of the gate. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You, his servants, you're not the servants of Pharaoh any longer. You're not the servants of Satan any longer. You're the servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever, evermore. This is not a temporal thing. It's an eternal thing. This is an eternal praise forevermore. We will praise his name. Verse three, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, from the east to the west, it's saying, as far as you've removed my sins, I'm going to praise you. From the east to the west, from the rising of the sun till it's going down, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Verse four, I love verse four. The Lord is exalted over all the nations. The Lord is exalted over all the nations. Is that good? Come on, that's better than Fox News. That's better than CNN. That's better than MSNBC. The Lord is exalted above all the nations. Come on, Jesus. That right there should give somebody peace and breakthrough just going home today. The Lord's above all of it. The Lord's exalted above the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Here's the question. The one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, what a passage. Simple title today is From Nikes to Neckties. From Nikes to Neckties. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much. I pray today that your word would do its work. I thank you for families today. Lord, it's an honor to stand here and share anything about you. Lord, help me. Lord, I'm humbled that even anybody would listen. I thank you that you would speak today, God, and you would change things. Thank you that your word doesn't return void. And so, God, I thank you that you're going to produce what you want to do in our hearts today. 
on this amazing day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In 1999, I gave my life to Christ and, uh, in a church a lot like ours. And um, I began to go to a local outreach that the church had. And they had a prison ministry. And they would go every Tuesday night to the county jail. And uh, in the county jail, it was a, a rough environment, and uh, I was kind of just stretched in my faith. And I figured, look, I should, be, I should have been in the county jail. Come on. I was once, <laughs> maybe twice. I'm not going to go into those stories, but, <laughs> but, but I, I should have been there more often. And so I decided that I, went, I was going to go every Tuesday night and pay back, uh, just give my heart back, give, give the message of Christ back to a place and to a people that might need that. And the Bible says, visit those that are in prison. So we'd go every Tuesday night, we'd take a little keyboard in and Stuart McClure would play the keyboard and I would share a little word and we'd have guys and girls. I remember the back of the very door leaving out of that prison room where we did, uh, the church service. It said, it said 100 and, uh, and, and 79. And, and Chris would preach every week and he'd say, come on, you're one step away from a 180 degree turn. I remember him doing that every week. And the, and the guys would leave and the girls would leave and we'd just preach that. And I remember going for months. I worked at a local uh, store where I was a manager and I had to dress up in clothes a lot like this where I'd wear a suit and uh, I would wear uh, a tie to work. And so when I was ready to go on Tuesday nights to the prison, uh, real quick, I would have a change of clothes in my car and I would put on jeans and sneakers. I would put on uh, uh, jeans and sneakers and dress down because I didn't want to go into an environment where I couldn't relate and where they didn't relate to me. And I didn't want them to feel like it was awkward. So I wanted to kind of get down on their level in a way to make them feel a little more comfortable to receive the message that I was carrying. And so I did that for about six months. I made friends. I befriended a couple guys and people would come and go as they got let out. But this one guy, John was in there. And, uh, after about six months, I saw him just looking at and was trying to figure out if he wanted Jesus or not. And one day on a Tuesday night, I didn't have time to change clothes. And so I went back in, instead of having my Nike on, I went in with my necktie. Instead of having my sneakers and jeans on, I just, I'd already befriended a lot of these guys. And so I said, you know what? I don't have time. I went in in my suit. And this night, John's listening to my message and he comes up to me afterwards and he says, man, I want, I want to be saved. I, I want Jesus. And I was like, man, oh, oh, awesome. He goes, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be saved and I want to serve the Lord. I was like, John, that's amazing. I said, why? He goes, man, when you first started coming in here six months ago, you were in sneakers. <laughs> He says, and now you're in suspenders. He goes, man, God has blessed you, man. God has blessed you. I want to serve God. I didn't, I didn't tell him I'd been changing clothes for six months. I just went with it. I was like, let's lead you to the Lord in Jesus' name. God will do it for you too, brother. <laughs> Led him to Christ and... He began to give his heart to God. He showed up at church a few months later. Here's what I want to ask you. Why did he see my suit and say, I want saved? Why did he see me go from Nikes to neckties and say, I, I need Jesus. I need to serve God. Uh, critics and Pharisees would say that, oh, because he had this shallow understanding of the gospel. Didn't we all? Uh, critics and Pharisees would say that he was just looking at the outward appearance and he wanted to just be blessed and he thought God was this cosmic slot machine. And critics and Pharisees would say that he just wanted this outward gospel, this cheesy gospel. I would say, no, 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 no. I think at the center of his assumption was that God actually gets involved and is concerned with the condition of my life. I think at the center of his, of his decision was that, wow, God took you from, from, from sneakers to suspenders. God took you from a lowly place to a promoted place. If God can do that for you, God can do that for me. God can concern himself 
with my condition. And so therefore, I want that God. At the core of his cry was, does God care about my condition? The core of your cry, the core of my cry is, does God care about my prison? Does God care about my cares? Does God know me? Does he know the details of my life? Does he hear me? And will he, will he help me? I say yes. I say a resounding yes. The psalmist says yes. Who is like our God who is enthroned on high, but who stoops down to look on the earth? Who raises up the poor from the dust, from the ash heap, who seats them with princes and with the princes of his people. Nobody is as majestic and as menial as our God. Nobody. He stoops down to make you and I great. He's on high. Who is like our God? Who is so high, but will go so low? Who is so high, but will stoop down to look into the details of my life and your life? He's enthroned on high. The, the title for Psalm 113, many places, is the majesty and condescension of God. That he's enthroned on high, but is willing to stoop down and wash feet. It's willing to stoop down in my prison and stoop down when it comes to my outfit and my concerns. It's willing to, to get involved in the pain and the position of my life. I wrote this down. God is the original OG undercover boss. Anybody remember undercover boss, that show? Come on, I got a little clip for you. Check out this clip real quick. Come on. I got tears in my eyes. I think... Like, here's the owner of that whole entire stadium. And when she hits the ground, he didn't just sit up at his lofty place. He wrote, hit the ground and began to say, hey, how can I? Oh, are you all right? Some of you are on that position, in that place today, on the ground. And you think God's this lofty God that isn't concerned about your condition or your situation. And it says he stoops down to look into your life. And the very fact that the scriptures say he stoops down means that we're going to find ourselves in places in life where we're in pain and we're disillusioned and we're disappointed and we don't know what's going on and prayers haven't been answered and we're kind of under, under sometimes like a concern and, and upset even with God at times going, God, do you even care? I just want to encourage you. God takes off titles and thrones to look into our torment. Come on. She didn't go back home to that place that night. God, that night, this guy could have just done anything. He stooped down. God stoops down today. And I want to encourage you. I just want to, that God cares. And that, has, has God ever stooped down for anybody in here? Come on, I don't know, man. He, he might have had to stand up to save you, but he had to stoop down to get me. Come on. And I'm so thankful. Can we just give him like maybe 30 seconds of praise for stooping down? Thank you for stooping down to our level, Jesus. Thank you for coming into my mess. Getting involved in my life. Oh, God, thank you for stooping down today. When I was discouraged, when I was downhearted, when I was disappointed, when I, my prayers weren't answered, when I was frustrated, when I was angered, when I was wondering if you cared, oh, God, you stooped down. Psalm 113 is, this, is, this, is written as a praise, but chapters uh, 1 in Samuel is really a, a record of her pain, of Hannah's pain. I, I want to give you the story of Hannah today and just tie it into God stooping down. Hannah had this series in her life where she needed God to stoop down. She needed God to come through. She was married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah was a good guy, but he was a dude. Come on, we still dudes, ladies. Come on, we're dudes. And, and, he, and he didn't always get it. And so, and then, and then, and then Elkanah had two wives. Come on, that was bad right off the start. 
You know, he didn't have any, this, this, the Bachelor didn't even exist back then. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was some dumb decisions. That's a bad show. That's not reality. That's a, that is some drama. So it was a problem. And uh, he's married to these two ladies. And then all of a sudden, the priest in the modern, the priest was Eli. And he had two sons named Hophni and Phinehas that were corrupt and wicked sons. They were stealing all the food from the temple and getting fat. And their dad, Eli, was getting fat too. Eli had corrected them, but not removed them. So there's darkness in the place that should have been light. The temple was supposed to be a place of light. The church was supposed to be a place of light. His two sons were actually having sex with the women that were coming to try to offer sacrifices to God. So I can imagine Hannah's life. She can't have a child. She's, she's, she's been praying for a child year after year. She's married to a guy that's, that's a good guy, but he's, he kind of doesn't get it. She, he, the other wife is named Penina. Uh, this is a type of woman that your mom warned you about. She's nasty. Penina's nasty. Her name just sounds nasty. Penina. The Bible, if anybody's named Penina, I'm going to pray for you. We'll change your name today. The Bible says that Penina hated Hannah because Elkanah loved Hannah double and gave her a double portion. And so he was trying to, he was trying to settle the, the, the lack in her heart with things. How many of you know that things can't heal things all the time? Come on. And so we need God. And so here, here she's, this Hannah's blessed, but now she's still got this emptiness in her life. Penina is actually, is, is provoking her, the Bible says, day after day, coming after her. So Hannah's harassed, and now she's walking to the temple every year to serve God, being, being harassed by priests and pastors in the church, maybe and probably for sexual things. I mean, her life, can you imagine what's going on? Her heart is empty. Her soul is empty. It's actually a picture of the emptiness and barrenness of Israel of the brokenness of Israel's spiritual plight. And this young woman now is on the scene. And, and the text, uh, the context of the situation we find ourselves in going into the text of chapter one is literally God's upset with things and trying to bring about a revolution. And so, and so this revelation begins to come and, and we see revolution. So Samuel, the son who actually is given to Hannah by God supernaturally, becomes the bridge between the judges and the kings. The voice of God to him actually transitions the nation of Israel from a theocracy to a monarchy. I mean, there's some big stuff. Destiny is on the scene, but it all begins in the midst of darkness and desperation in a mom's heart. The very, the very destiny of a nation, the greatest dynasty, the, the, the context that we get Messiah all begins in this woman, Hannah's heart, that was in a dark moment in her life, but was still serving God in a painful place. First Samuel 1, 1 through 20, I'll read it to you fast. Therefore, there was a man named Elkanon who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf, in the, in the hill country of Ephraim. His, he, he was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf. Can you imagine? Come on. Uh, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Here's the pain of Hannah. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priest, the Lord at the time, were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, corrupt men. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, I think this is a little bit of a mistranslation. One translation says he loved Hannah and gave her double portion. This says, and though he loved Hannah, he would only give her one portion or one choice portion. Uh, better translated, translated is he gave her a double portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. 
Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Uh, why are you so downhearted? Why? Because why? you have no children? You have me? Come on, here's the dude side of him. You have me? Isn't that better than 10 sons? Dude, that's the wrong. Shut up. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you'll look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. And he'll be yours his entire life. And a sign that he's been dedicated to you as his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Most of you, must of you, must, must you come here drunk? He, he demanded. And I mean, here's the thing. He, he was drinking. <laughs> I mean, him and his kids were, 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 were abusing the certain situations. Isn't it funny that a lot of people will accuse you of the very thing they're in? You, usually the flip side of legalism is sin. And so here, here he is confusing her and, 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 and confusing her desperation for drunkenness. Uh, must you come here drunk? He demanded, throw away your wine. She says, oh no, sir. She replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to God. Don't think I'm a wicked woman for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the Lord God of Israel grant you a request that you've asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir. She exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat and she was no longer sad. Verse 19, then the entire family got up early next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for he had said, I asked the Lord for him, and he gave him to me. An amazing picture of the plight and the discouragement that Hannah's in year after year. Uh, they're going to worship God at a place that should have given life and light to her family and to her. Uh, she's married, like I said, to, to, to Elkanah. Penina hates her. There's a little drama with the baby mama. Come on, there's a little problem. And uh, it's okay to say that in church. Y'all don't get upset. And uh, that's the Bible. And, and here's, here's what I need you to hear. Uh, Penina provokes her year after year. And I just want to encourage some of you. Some of you are being provoked by things year after year. Some of you feel like you're in a position where this keeps provoking me and, and, and everybody close to me might not even understand it. Can I tell you that it's usually the things that provoke you that produce your purpose in life. It's usually the stuff that provokes you day after day and year after year. And I just want to encourage you, let whatever this thing is provoke you to greatness. Let it provoke you to prayer. Let it provoke you to praise. Let it provoke you to get in the house of God. Let whatever it is that's provoking you every single time you look at it, let it, it could be a person, it could be a problem, it could be a thought process, it could be a circumstance. Let it provoke you. The Bible says that year after year, it was the same. I think that is really haunting some of our souls sometimes that year after year, nothing changed. Year after year, it's still, still the same. I've prayed, I've asked God, he hasn't answered, I'm still being taunted year after year. Uh, I got people taunting me, provoking me, my husband doesn't quite understand. I, I feel this cruel woman, this vicious lady, Penina, coming at me. I can't imagine how Hannah feels. Every single day, year after year. Anybody ever felt provoked year after year? I know there's times in my life, I'm like, God, is it ever gonna change? H Hannah's a godly young girl. Elkanah is a good guy, I mean, by all standards. And I told you earlier, he's a dude. I'm going to prove it to you. 
He said some dumb dude stuff. Oh, let, me, let me help you guys. There, there are some minefields in marriage that you, you don't want to say. There's some, there's some questions you don't want to ask. Okay? Okay, I'm here, I'm here to help you today. Guys, I'm on your side today. Can, I know it's Mother's Day. Can I help out? Can I help a brother out today? Here's some questions you don't ask. You don't walk home and come into the house and say, what did you do all day? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you do not say that. Ladies, can I get an amen on that? You, you, don't, you don't say that. That's a, that's a stupid question. You, you never say, you never say, did you mean to do your hair that way? I'm stepping on risky ground right now. I'm out on thin ice right now. Just, just talking about it. You don't ever, did, you, did, you, did you mean to wear that? Don't ever say that. That's not... The questions that you ask are, why are you so wonderful? How did I get you? How are you so beautiful still after all these years? You look exactly the same. Come on, girls. Preach. Elkanah is a dude. His wife is crying. She's got this hole in her heart. He says, why are you crying, Hannah? Here's the, here's the, he's, he's in trouble. He's not understanding. Why are you so downcast? Why haven't you eaten? Aren't, aren't I better than 10 sons? <laughs> he thought it made sense. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing anybody could ever say. Here's this young lady in darkness and in desperation day after day. Nobody even close to her understanding. Lady in her house still provoking her. Nothing's changed. What do you do? What do we do when we find ourselves in the, this position of disillusionment, disappointment? What do we do? We do what Hannah did. She cried out and ripped into God in a way. She, when I say that, she, she, she literally laid it all out to God. She went to the temple. We see it says with deep anguish and agony, she, with prayers. I mean, she's wrestling with God. She's like, God, why didn't you? I don't know what all the prayers were. Why don't I have a baby? God, why haven't you? God, why does this wicked woman, why is she blessed? I've been trying to serve you, oh God. The temple is crooked. They're wicked. My, my husband doesn't understand me. God, I've served you. I love you. Come on, anybody ever felt like it wasn't fair? Anybody ever felt like, God, why? Can I say something to you? Write this down. God can handle your hurt. You, God can handle you unloading on him. Come on, Jesus did it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you allowed this to happen? Why is this a scenario in my life? God, why, what? I don't understand. And Hannah cries out. I'm just here to tell you that God can handle the hurt you're going through. God can handle your desires. God can handle your prayers. God can handle you wrestling with him. I want to say this. God can handle your doubts. And, and I think literally, I believe with all my heart that God would rather you wrestle with him in disappointment than run away in defeat. I think God would have us wrestle with him. Hannah wrestles with God. She gives it to God. She gives her disappointment, her pain to God. I just need to say to you that you're going to have to climb over some disappointment to get to your destiny. And usually your purpose will be on the other side of some type of pain. And I've got to give my, my pain to God. I've got to trust God. You've got to trust God. And God can create a destiny out of darkness that you're facing. At the beginning of history, God said, let there be light. And there was light. In the middle of darkness and chaos, God said, light be. And light was. I just want to encourage you. It was a day's work for God. It's his job description to actually bring light out of dark situations. To actually speak life 
into areas that are disappointing and dark. It was chaos on the planet and God began to create. I just want to encourage you, would you give him the brush today? Would you let go of the pen or pencil or the, or the, or the, or the paintbrush and say, you know what, God, I don't understand what this chaos looks like, but I think that you could begin to create something in my life. God is listening to Hannah. Hannah unloads on God and she begins to give her heart and her life to God in a powerful way. Listen, listen to me R- real quick. I think sometimes what this young lady is facing, you know, the story says when she cries out to God, she goes, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him to you the rest of his life. He'll be yours. I think a lot of times God uses darkness to get us desperate to where we're willing to give our destiny into his hands. I I think sometimes the desperation we face in the scenarios that we face, God's just waiting to get us to that place to where now we're really actually willing to put destiny is in his hands. God, if you give it to me, he's yours. If you give, if you answer it, it's all yours. God, I, I just, I'm desperate enough to say, God, whatever it is, I just, I, I, it's yours. I dedicate it to you the rest of my life. I, I want to encourage some of you. Would you just open up your hands with your destiny? Oh, open up your grip on it. I'm a lefty. And so I write really crooked and I smear everything and, and my fingers are all scarred after I've written a paper because I'm gripping the pencil so tight. Some of y'all are like that with your life right now. Like you're just, you're smearing it and you've got a grip on it and you're, and you're just, and God's just saying, just give it to me. I know it's, I know it's dark. I know there's some disappointment, but just let it go and be willing to put that destiny in my hands. She desperately puts her destiny in the hands of of God, the priest begins to accuse her of being drunk. Uh, I, I just think like, can you imagine? I mean, here's this lady in prayer. Do you know that Eli's eyes were going dim? He wasn't blind yet, but they were going dim. He was going dim in his sight visual, naturally, and he was going dim in his vision spiritually. And, and I just want to encourage somebody in this place. I wrote this down for you. Don't allow people with limited vision to discredit your desperation. Don't allow people with dimness in their vision for themselves or for you to discredit the desperation that you have in your life for God. Many times people that have a a, a darkness or a dimness in their life are going to try to discredit. Here's this priest that's trying to discredit the desperation of Hannah. Hannah's desperation is a picture of the desperation of Israel, a picture of the barrenness of Israel. And she's saying, man, my womb is barren. Israel's barren. Israel begins to cry out for a new king. They want unity. They want prosperity. They're not doing great. And this is a picture of this young lady crying out. And God prepares this, this desperate mom. God prepares the desperation of this woman to actually define the destiny of a nation. And so he gets ready to prepare the way and God turns her desperation into destiny. I want to encourage somebody in here, some mom, some dad, your desperation, don't underestimate your desperation and what God can do with it. God can actually save a nation. This little baby becomes a kingmaker. He anoints Saul. He anoints King David. He actually changes the nation to a dynasty to see Messiah come into it. You can write this third thought down. God can turn darkness into destiny. Man, I'm desperate for God, guys. Like, I'm desperate for God to change my life. I'm desperate for God's destiny in your life and in this church. I'm I'm desperate for destiny in our nation and in our city. I'm desperate for destiny in the next generation and in my own home. I'm desperate because I need life change. I'm, I'm desperate for my marriage. I'm desperate for my children. I'm desperate for the things of God. I'm desperate. Like, I'm desperate for common sense to come back on the scene. 
I'm desperate for right to be right again and wrong to be wrong. I'm desperate for young people not to be tormented with all this craziness in their, in their minds and in front of their eyes. I'm desperate for, for identity that comes in God, that comes from a creator. I'm desperate for the truth to be the truth and God's word to be God's word in our nation again. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for God to show up in the lives of his people. Well, that's radical. Well, you're radical. Yeah, it's a radical world out there. I'm radical. Well, that's a, that's a, little, that's a little fanatical. Yeah, I was in the ashes and he, and he looked down and stooped down to pull me out of the ash heap. I'm a little bit fanatical for him. It's a little bit extreme. Yeah, there's an extreme enemy out there. I, I just, I'm just, I think that, I, I think we gotta not get, I think we gotta get desperate a little bit. I think there's destiny in all of us and these this priest, after her desperation shines through, he says, you know what? May your request be granted. He goes, go and God give you what you've asked for. What does she do in that moment? Can I tell you, listen, nothing changed. I'm, I'm gonna fire you up today. You're gonna walk out of here. Nothing's gonna be different when you hit your car. What did she do? Penina was still there, still tormenting her. There was no baby after the priest said, Go. Your, your, your request is granted. Husband was still a dude. Come on. Nothing changed. What did she do? It says that she was no longer sad. This is a word to somebody. And she went and ate. And then the Bible in verse 19 says, the whole family got up again and worshiped the Lord once more. Come on, would you look at somebody and say, worship once more? That's a word. Worship once more. Worship once more. How do I know she was in faith? They got up and worshiped once more. The answer wasn't there. Nothing had changed. I'm telling you, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, whatever you're facing today, would you walk out of here, grab the steering wheel of your car, get in there in faith and say, you know what, God, I haven't seen it yet, but it doesn't mean you're not doing something. I, I'm, I, I don't know how you're gonna do it. I don't know what you're gonna do, but God, I'm gonna worship once more. I'm gonna keep staying in faith. I'm gonna use all the faith inside of me, the little bit of faith maybe I have left to cling on to you, God. I know you're good. I know you stoop down. I know you get involved in my situation. I know that my circumstances don't dictate your goodness oh God and you're good because you're good I know this I don't know how God's going to do it for you but I know this write this down a waiting season is not a wasted season some of you feel like you've been wasting some things you're waiting and just because you're waiting doesn't mean God's not working would you stand to your feet with me for a second come on I believe God's working in here I think sometimes we miss him I'm going to close out. Years ago, we were trying to buy this facility. We got about five, six minutes left. Don't get antsy on me. This is where it happens. I already told you, nothing's going to change once you hit the car. <laughs> Something's going to change in here. Something's going to change when we worship once more. We were looking for a building, and I had two board members that were businessmen, and they wear suits. Y'all know that I've been delivered from suits and ties, from Nikes to neckties, from neckties back to Nikes. Come on, somebody. And, and so, so I would go out, and I would wear just casual clothes. And all the bankers that we would meet with would talk to the board members that were in the suits with me. And I'm the pastor. The board members would have to say, hey, we're not the pastors. He's the pastor. How many times do we miss God because he's more casual than we thought he should be in the occasion. Sometimes we want the sky to open and lightning bolts to come down. We want everything fixed today. We want the baby to show up day two. No, it takes nine months. Come on, somebody. That's science. Praise the Lord. 
We want this miraculous thunder from heaven. No, no, no. God hides himself in our messy mangers. Why? Because he wants you to know and me to know that godly things can come out of painful places. And you might have said that nothing good can come out of this pain. Nothing good can come out of this hopelessness. Uh, I'm too far. I'm too down. I'm too low. Nothing good can come from my life. They said that about Jesus. Nothing good can come from Nazareth. And God wants you to know today, even though you don't see something, he's still working. Lord, who is like our God that dwells on high enthroned above the heavens, but stoops down to look into the earth? God, I thank you for stooping down today into my life. Thank you for stooping down into this place today. When John the Baptist sent disciples to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah, Jesus said, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life. And then he summed it all up. He mentioned these miracles, but he summed it up. He said, and the good news is preached to the poor. If you, if you feel poor in spirit today, if you feel barren in body or soul today, come on, this message is for you. No one looking around just for another second. Maybe you're online today and you're watching and you've been waiting. Maybe you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I've been in a waiting season and I haven't seen God doing anything, but I'm going to hold on. I need God to show up. I've been provoked by some things, but I'm going to allow that to provoke me to praise today. I'm going to believe that God would actually stoop down today. If you're in here, nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, I've been waiting and I need God to show up. I need him to stoop down. Would you put your hand up to me? I've been waiting for a miracle. I've been waiting for something. I've been provoked and I've been waiting. I, I need God. Come on. Every hand across this place. If you're online, just write in. I'm in a waiting season. Father, I thank you right now for this waiting season. Lord, I don't know how you're going to answer it. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know who you're going to use. I don't know how it's going to happen. But I thank you for faith today to hang on. Faith today to worship once more. And God, I just declare that we can go in peace because we know that you're still working. I pray for everybody that's waiting would cling to you while you work, God, before we could even see the answer. I thank you for faith today that would praise even before we see the answer. That we'd leave out of here and maybe the circumstances aren't different, but our faith is different today. Our families would be different. Our eternities would be different. If you're in this place, just for another second, maybe no, no one looking around, if you're online, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you, you've been holding on to your own life just with that tight grip that I talked about. Today, you know that you need Jesus to get involved in your life. You're ready to actually make him the Lord of your life. The Bible says that he came to this planet, died on a tree, took all your sin, shame, mistakes. You've been trying to pay for your own sin, pay for your own mistakes. You can't do it. It's too... It's too heavy. Jesus took it, nailed it to a tree, rose from the dead to give you a brand new life and a brand new fresh start with God. If you're online or you're here in this room and you need a fresh start with God, I want to pray for you here in a second. If you say, you know what? I'm ready to surrender, God. I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. The Bible says that you just need to say yes to Jesus, that he's got a heart for you, that he wants to put his life in you and his love on your life. If that's you and you, you know you're not right with God, you know you need Jesus as your Savior. Would you just slip your hand to me right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a fresh start with God. Anybody in here, be bold enough. Say, I need a fresh start. Thank you for your boldness. If you're online, come on, just type in fresh start real quick. I need a fresh start with God. Just hold it up so I can pray for you. Anybody else? I need a fresh start today. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. God bless you there in the back. Father, thank you so much. Come on, church, let's pray real quick. If you're online, pray with me. Simple prayer, just a prayer of surrender. Father, I thank you that you stoop down 
that you stooped down in Jesus, that you sent your son to this planet to get involved in the pain and the mess and the sins and the hurts of my life. Lord, I give you my guilt and my shame and my failures. I give you my anger. I give you all of my stuff. Nail it to that tree. I turn from it. I repent and I turn to you today, God. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead to give me a brand new fresh start. I receive your life today in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, everybody. Let's give God praise for the God who stoops down in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.